0: please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at pop culture through a Jewish lens and look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Michael Knopf.
1: And I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky.
0: And today we have a a special episode of Pop Torah for you, uh, a very somber episode. discussion to, uh, to, to have, um, but, but hopefully uh, one of meaning and, and some degree of uplift too. Um, we are going to reflect on the life and career and legacy of uh, someone who was uh, taken from us way too early uh, and uh, tragically uh, in recent days. We're going to be talking about the life and career and legacy of Black Panther himself, Chadwick Boseman, uh, in today's episode, uh, Jesse, you want to share with us a little bit uh, about uh, Chadwick Boseman's uh, life and career for those who may need a refresher?
1: Sure, Chadwick Bozeman passed away unexpectedly last week, unexpectedly to us, um, the fans, but it was actually after a four-year battle with colon cancer. Um, he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer uh, in 2016. Uh, and really, films uh, most of his uh, most recent films. He filmed Black Panther. He filmed uh, Avengers: Infinity War, Avengers: Endgame. Uh, really, his star turn in the Marvel Cinematic Universe Will battling cancer. Uh, he filmed his role in Spike Lee's The Five Bloods now on Netflix while well, he had cancer. Uh, And he has one more uh, film coming out on Netflix, his last role. Uh, He became a star at a late age. It it wasn't until seven years ago when he was in his mid-30s and he was cast as Jackie Robinson in the 2013 biopic 42, where he played the first black baseball player really to break the color barrier. The film itself was fine. Uh, As a baseball fan, his portrayal of really balancing how to keep his cool and not lose it when all around him, so many were hoping he would fail. Uh, There's a powerful scene in 42 when he uh, is just in the tunnel, in the dugout, just hitting and smacking his bat up against the concrete walls, trying to take out his frustration of the racism and bigotry spewed his way, um, and, and really speaks to his struggle throughout his career to finally make it big. Uh, he was also cast in Get On Up as James Brown, really just looking at 42 and Get On Up shows his talent Mm -hmm. as an actor that those are two totally different portrayals and he portrays them so differently that, that you actually, if you didn't know it was Chadwick Boseman, you wouldn't know that it was the same actor because they're so different and he portrays them so differently. Um,
0: unbelievable to think that the same actor could play Jackie Robinson and James Brown and uh, in, 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 uh, embody both of those roles uh, so fully.
1: And then of course, uh, King T'Challa uh, of don't, don't forget
0: Don't forget also Thurgood Marshall.
1: Yeah, oh yes, I'm sorry, he, he was Thurgood Marshall in Marshall, um, the first uh, black justice on the Supreme Court and um, really a, a wonderful biopic, powerful biopic as well. Um, one of the first cases that, that he um, that, that he really fought for the NAACP, and but of course as King T'Challa, as the Black Panther, which is when he became a star black panther uh becoming a billion dollar film it's the fourth highest grossing film of all time and uh really the first marvel film to win an oscar as well
0: yeah it's amazing one of the things that's i think a testament to uh chadwick boseman's skill as an actor, uh, and, and also his, his mindset, uh, toward his craft and toward his work, um, is that it's, you know, it's, it's really hard for actors, uh, even at high levels to, uh, not get typecast, um, and to have the trajectory of their career dictated for them, uh, by studio executives, by, uh, by, you know, uh, talent agencies and, and so on. And it really seems... That uh, Chadwick Boseman was able to um, to really kind of call his own shots uh, in his career from a very early age, and you see the the trajectory of his career. He has played um, you know these these sort of you know iconic uh, African American uh, figures, these iconic black uh, uh, heroes uh, that are are just like we said before a range of roles, right? They're they're not just one kind of uh, biography that he's uh, embodying—you know, Jackie Robinson, James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, T'Challa, uh, his uh, his role in, in Defy Five Bloods*, uh, Storm and Norman, uh, which uh, uh, the characters in the movie refer to as uh, R. Martin and R. Malcolm—that uh, uh, he's this kind of you know um, uh, black power and civil rights uh, icon for uh, his comrades in the Vietnam War in *Into Five Bloods*, and, and you see that. Power and that uh, and that grace and that dignity uh, come through in that role and in all of these roles um, is, is just really extraordinary. He plays them all very differently, right? His role as Storm and Norman is 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 so different uh, in some ways than his role as T'Challa and and certainly as James Brown. Um, but the 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 that a, an actor who who died at the age of forty three, right, and is in his, in his um, mid to late thirties, early forties uh, at the you know, peak of his career, that he's able to um, really just kind of determine what roles he's going to take uh, and to um, dictate those terms and to use that platform to tell these uh, incredible and important black stories um, is is just really extraordinary. A testament to who he was, what he believed and uh, what his talent was.
1: I also think, you know, I I said that he, died unexpectedly. Uh, It it was to us. Uh, He knew that he was suffering and fighting cancer. And he ultimately knew um, that he was losing that battle to cancer. And yet he was filming these films in between rounds of chemotherapy, in between major surgeries he was having. And he kept filming. He didn't share with his own directors and um, co-stars that he was going through this fight, that he wanted to present himself as the strong King T'Challa, as a strong Black Panther. You know, he didn't want people to see him as somebody who was fighting for his very survival. And I, I really think about that, about why somebody would choose to keep that to themselves and not share the battle for survival uh, with the world, with their fan base. And in some ways, the lasting image we have of Chadwick Boseman is not somebody who lost the battle to cancer. As a result, the lasting image we have is somebody who is strong Somebody who portrayed a civil rights leader, somebody who portrayed a music icon, somebody who portrayed the first black superhero in in Marvel Comics—really, uh, the legend Black Panther. That's our memory.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really extraordinary to think about the fact that uh, he uh, inhabited all of those iconic roles and did that extraordinary. A turn of work uh, while while battling cancer and that none of us knew it. Um, Of course, you know, looking back, right, as I, if if I had seen Defy Bloods before his death, I might have said, you know, you know, wow, you know, Chadwick Boseman, you know, really lost weight for this role. Um, And of course, now having seen it or having watched it uh, uh, in in the days following his death, um, as I did, Uh, I can, I, you know, I could say, you know, wow, it's, it's, it's amazing that none of us knew because he looks gaunt here. Um, But yet, and yet he turns in an an extraordinary performance. I think, you know, to me, uh, as, as I'm processing um, this really sad moment uh, and thinking back on, uh, on, on what Bozeman accomplished uh, and, and did during his career in the, days leading up to the High Holy Days. I'm, you know, I'm thinking about some of the themes of the High Holy Days uh, in, in light of this. And, and one of them is, you know, there's this prayer that we say uh, on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur. It's um, uh, in the Musaf service. It's one of the introductions to the Kedushah and the Amida, um, so a declaration of God's holiness. Um, it's really more associated with, with Rosh Hashanah in, in a lot of ways, but we say it on Yom Kippur as well. Um, and the, the prayer is called unatana Tokhef, um which talks about the the sort of terrifying power of, of the day, who shall um, live and
1: who shall die?
0: Right, who shall live and who shall die? Um, we say who, mi beito lobe ito, who in their time and who not in their time. Um, and I think one of the one of the deep secrets of that prayer, uh, one of the one of the deep messages of it, is that there isn't really an eight, there isn't really a time that that we all have, or, or at least that we know that we have. Right. Um, so we, we imagine. Uh, many of us that our, our time is somewhat unlimited. We live as if our time is somewhat unlimited or, or if we think that it's limited, we think that it's limited to you know, 100 years, 120 years, something like that. None of us really, uh, or few of us really, I should say, uh, entertain the possibility that, that this day uh, or tomorrow uh, could be our last day. But Chadwick Boseman uh, knew, uh, or at least had an inkling I imagine that, uh, his time was limited. And so he, with that knowledge, um, he didn't rail or rage. It seems like at least externally, right? He didn't rail or rage or, or, or push back against, um, that knowledge. Uh, what he did was he said, okay, I, I may only have a few years left. How am I going to, uh, fill out the days that I have rather than worrying about the days that I may not have or wasting the days that I do. And I think that that is one of the messages of the High Holy Days or that, that prayer, you know, um, uh, who will live and who will die in the coming year is actually an open question. You know, uh, we don't know and we don't know it for us, right? To, today or tomorrow could be our last. And so the, the, I think that the High Holidays ask us, what would you do and how would you live um, if you knew that all you had was Hayom, right? We say that, 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 uh, that hymn, Hayom to Amsenu, right? Strengthen us today in the high holidays. We, we, we re- reiterate and repeat this, that idea of Hayom, right? The power of today. Um, and I think that that is one of the messages of the, of, of the high holy days, that if you knew only for a fact that you had today, um, how would you live and what would you do? Right? You would, I think, live differently if uh, if, if you were if, if you had that insight.
1: It's a fascinating um, point, Mike. When we conclude Yom Kippur, concluding the Ila, we sort of exhale and say, we made it, right? We were sealed in the book of life for the year to come. But the reality is that there are many who make it through Yom Kippur that will not be around next Yom Kippur. And I think you're absolutely right that the... Liturgy of the High Holy Days, but also the message is life's unpredictability and life's fragility. When we experience loss, we're reminded of that. And the High Holidays are all about, if we're given this fresh start, if we're given this clean slate, how will we make the most of our days to find meaning and purpose in our lives, and also so that we outlive our physical presence in this world. So much of the holidays is about memory, right? During the Musaf service on Rosh Hashanah, we have the Zikro note section, where it's all about the power of memory. Yom Kippur, although it's not the only time we say Yisker, it's probably the um, most memorable and most observed Yisker service, a service that's dedicated to communal memory of those who we've lost. The high holidays is understanding that our time in this world, in this world, uh, olam hazeh, not olam haba, but our time in this world um, is short. And we wanna make the most of our days so that we have the most impact in this world while we are here.
0: You, you raise a really powerful point there. And, and I think that that's reflected in, in Chadwick Bozeman's story too, because I think he, he wasn't only, it seems to me, this is an outside observer, obviously, um, but uh, it, it seems to me that he wasn't only concerned with how he was going to live whatever days he had, but also with how he was going to use that time to ensure that he lived forever, right? And he's going to, there's, there's no question about it, right? We're, we're going to keep on watching Black Panther Uh, forever it is going to I am certain it is going to live on as 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 one of the greatest movies ever made it's going to remain on uh, the you know the the top 100 films of all time list Uh, I'm I'm relative or most influential films of all time list I'm sure for a long time so we have um, Chadwick Boseman forever. And he, in some ways, dictated the terms of how he was going to be remembered forever. Um, and, and that, I think, is a challenge for us, too. I mean, we may not, you know, those of us who um, don't have the uh, talent of, of a Chadwick Bozeman may not live forever in the same way as he did. Um, but if we think through not only how am I going to use this moment as fully and as meaningfully as I can, but also uh, how will I make a contribution to the world that uh, in, this, in these limited moments that I have that live on beyond me, um, whether that's through my family or through my participation in a timeless tradition um, that by adding my voice and by adding my deeds and by adding my actions, um, I, I live on through being woven into that tapestry um, or by engaging in acts of, of goodness and, and kindness um, and justice and, and charity so that I, I further, you know, an agenda of, of, of world repair that will live on beyond me. Um, and recognizing that we, however limited it is, we only have a limited amount of time to do it. Um, that to me is also a, a really powerful message of the High Holidays. It's not just how will I make the most of whatever time I have, but also how will I live beyond the time that I have. Um, uh, that, that's a haunting Message to me from from these days of awe.
1: But also, right, that Unatanatokev prayer that you mentioned, that's part of our our, our Musaf service on the high holidays, ends with the shuvah utafila utsidaka, ma'avirin et roa hagazera, right? With teshuvah, tfila, right? tfila, and sedaka, and we can talk about what these three things are. Um Regularly translated as repentance, prayer, and acts of kindness, acts of justice, but they're really, I think, more about the way we relate to ourselves, the way we relate to God, and the way we relate to human beings, to our fellow, allows us, it doesn't say it changes the decree, it doesn't say it changes our fate. But the liturgy says ma'avirin et roa ha'gazera, that it changes the harshness of our destiny, that it's all about how we view the cards that were dealt. It would have been very easy for Chadwick Bozeman to say, shit, I have terminal cancer. I'm dying. And I'm going to live out my days with that mindset and mentality. And he very well, I don't want to to suggest that I know what he thought and I know what internal struggles he was having because uh, for many of my, my friends and loved ones who have been diagnosed with terminal illness, um, the amount of time that has been spent with puddles of tears and crying oneself to sleep and and screaming and cursing at God and saying, why me? Uh, I'm sure he dealt with that. But still, he chose to make the most of his time in this world. And in doing so, that's the power to transform that harshness of the decree of the destiny in fact, um, if I can share, if it's okay, um, a, a friend's mother, uh, a colleague of, of ours mother, Rabbi Ravid Tillis, um, who's a, a rabbinic colleague, shared with me that a, a number of years ago, his mother, Andrea Tillis, when she was diagnosed with terminal cancer, she had trouble wrestling with the words of the Unatana Tokayef. She didn't know how to make sense of it. She didn't know how to have it speak to her because she also understood that actually she did not have the power, no matter how hard she prayed, no matter how much she focused on those words, to change the harshness of that to, to change the decree entirely. But she did have the power to change the harshness of the decree to change the destiny. Um, and so instead of it's who will live and who will die, she rewrote a poetic version of the Unatana Tok'af before she passed away, these powerful words, and I read them in her memory, may her memory be a blessing, who will pass through this life and who will appreciate creation, who will live their life fully and who will die a little bit each day, who will use their full potential and who will waste it, who will be consumed by the fire of anger and envy and who will drown in their own sorrows, who feel cut into pieces by the wild actions of people around them and who will always be hungry, Uh, who will not be able to control the wild beasts inside, who will always be hungry because they envy what others have, who will always be thirsty for more because they do not appreciate what they have. Will be consumed by earth-shattering events. Who will allow the little things to eat them up inside? What she's saying is essentially what Benzoma teaches in Pirkei Avot: "Ezehu Ashir who is rich, once who is happy with what they have." Uh, it, it's through our relationship with ourselves, God, and each other that. We have the ability to change the harshness of the reality. We have the ability to play the cards that were dealt and make the most out of the short time that we have left in this world. So
0: I, I appreciate you sharing that poetic rendering. Um, it's extraordinarily powerful. Uh, and it, it reminds me of something that um, I, I once read in, in uh, a book called The Book of Joy by um, the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu, um, who said something to the effect of pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Uh, and, and I, and so I think that that's sort of at the, at the core of it, right? So like we're, we're all going to experience in our lives, um, moments of challenge, um, you know, uh, harsh decrees, uh, Moments of pain, maybe enduring times of pain, seasons sure. of pain, um, and and how we relate to that, um, how we uh, how we live in the face of that reality um, is is actually a choice that we all that we all have. Um, now, you know what you what you also um, I think are, are hitting out there uh, is something that's that's true of, of Chadwick Boseman's situation too. Is that um, is that we can't always know, you know, what the, um, inner experience, uh, is, um, of people, especially people that are going through, uh, times of difficulty, right? None of us, uh, knew, except for maybe the people who are closest to him, uh, that, uh, that Chadwick Bozeman was, was, uh, battling colon cancer. Um, and it, you know, that, that reminds me, and I think this is also, you know, a, a, an insight of the high holy days, right? The at Rosh Hashanah. Uh, we one of the central themes is zikronot, right? God's uh, memory, right? And we sort of you know call on God to remember us uh, favorably. Uh, but what's also expressed there is that um, is that you know only God uh, uh, knows our our innermost thoughts. Only God takes note and takes stock of of all of our deeds, right? Even we, in some ways, aren't always cognizant of everything that's going on inside of ourselves and and certainly that we aren't always mindful of, of every action that we have much less for other people right there's a, a a quote that i think about a lot um and i can't remember who it's attributed to uh but uh but it's something to the effect of, and there are probably various versions of this but you know be exceedingly kind for every person you confront is fighting a great battle right? and we don't always know uh, what the battle is that people are fighting in, internally. So one of the reminders on, on Rosh Hashanah, right? We, we say, you know, only God knows um, our innermost thoughts and everybody's innermost thoughts and everybody's actions. And so we say for God, right? You, you are the one who's able to judge us uh, most honestly, but we ask you to, uh, to move from Kisei dean from, from this, you know seat of strict judgment to Kisei Rachamim. Right, look at all of those things that you know about us, and 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 uh, enable our merits to outweigh, um, you know, the things that would convict us. And, and so I think that the, one of the messages of that is, you know, all the more so how we should relate to each other. But yet, so many of us find it, you know, much much easier, much much more attractive, or much more natural to sit on kisa dean. Right, we sit in judgment. Um, of ourselves and and of each other and i think one of the messages of the high holidays is um, if 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 we even ask of God who knows all the things that should be you know that we could be judged harshly for to sit on uh, the the throne of mercy how much the more so should we sit on the throne of mercy in evaluating ourselves and each other right to 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 um, to treat every person with kindness because we don't know what the inner battle is that they're waging
1: Mike, you mentioned when Chadwick Boseman portrayed Storm and Norman in uh, The Five Bloods and was quite frail in his portrayal. Well, we all want social media to be a, a loving place. Social media is actually a very cruel place. And a lot of people not knowing that he was fighting cancer, um, suffering from cancer, were really criticizing how he looked, you know, this King T'Challa, this Black Panther strong guy, ripped, um, which by the way, all the more so amazing, also had cancer when when he was, uh, when he filmed Black Panther.
0: Um, Can I just add, this is a little bit of levity, but like that makes me feel really bad about myself. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you you should.
0: Yeah, Um, I know.
1: Well, he was... It's it
0: also because it's all about me, too. Oh,
1: <laughs> well. Cheshbon Hanefesh time. Really. You, you really got to do that accounting of the soul. Um, well, I'm going
0: to write to my Noom coach about that.
1: <laughs> well, well, he um, was frail in the Five Bloods. Social media was attacking him. There were people who were suggesting that he must be addicted to drugs or something like that. Again, having nothing knowing nothing about the pain and suffering he was going through. And it's just a, a, I hope, a punch in the gut reminder for those people who are so quick to attack him, which is, there's too much of that on social media anyway, but a reminder, exactly what you said, that the high holidays, the season is really a season where we don't just do an accounting of ourselves and, what we do and what we do not say, but really how we look at others and how we treat others. Because that's, right, it's in some ways so much easier to ask for forgiveness in this period of time after we've done wrong, after we've said what's wrong, but it's all the more so our responsibility to strive to not prejudge and not make assumptions that we know what struggles somebody else is going through.
0: Right. I mean, I think that, you know, uh, probably one of the easier things of the High Holy Day season is the asking for forgiveness. And probably one of the harder things um, is being forgiving and giving forgiveness, right? And I think that we, especially right now, in, in, this, in, in this moment, and this was true even before the pandemic, but I think it's exacerbated where everybody's sort of um, on edge and, and, and there's, there's sort of like pervasive fear. Um, social media, like you said, you know, really exacerbates this too, you know, weaponizes it in a way um, that, uh, that, that we are living in very judgmental times. Um, and, you know, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, uh, but, you know, there's, there's, you know, it's sort of like baked into our culture um, to be the first, you know, the hot take, right? The, the first to judgment, um, and and so we, we rush to judgment all the time, and, and hold and, and often that judgment is uh, as you know as as harsh and unforgiving as it can possibly be, um, and often before we know all of the information and and all of the and all of the facts and and and, and you know I think what you're reminding us Jesse and, and I think that that's especially true right now, um, is that you know the high holidays is a moment for us to kind of step back from that. To, to look at that process inside and say it's not good for us as individuals and for our culture altogether, our society altogether to be, um, you know, we should be pursuing justice. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, the shadow side of that I think is, um, to so, sort of always be sitting in judgment and want to be the first to, to issue the judgment.
1: I want to come back to, um, Chadwick Boseman and and his legacy, um, who we remember, uh, he gave a very powerful speech um, when he, I believe it was the Screen Actors Guild Awards, um, when Black Panther won, and he gave a speech, uh, quoting the Nina Simone song, he he said, you know, to be young, gifted, and black. Uh, And finally, one of the reasons that he really didn't, make it as a star until he was in his mid thirties uh, as Jackie Robinson in 42. He had bit roles and other films and, and uh, television shows um, as he would say, almost as the token black actor in these films and shows, but it wasn't until Hollywood began to change. And, and really that's what black Panther did It showed that, there could be this, this film uh, that was so powerful that the whole world saw um, and saw the power in it. Although Jimmy Fallon, there, there's this video that went viral and it's going around the internet again. Jimmy Fallon uh, had this very powerful video where he had Chadwick Bozeman sort of behind a curtain and at the premiere of Black Panther invited different people to just speak to, to the Black Panther poster. Um, people of color, uh, men and women of color, about what this movie meant to them. And then Chadwick Bozeman would surprise them by coming out behind the curtain and give them hugs. And then, you know, they would freak out and get excited that, that they're in the presence of this amazing star. And it reminds me, you know, as much as this movie means something to me as a, a Marvel fanboy, it's really not mine it's not ours and I hesitate even having this conversation as two white men with so much privilege um, that Black Panthers really belongs to the people of color in this country um, who still march and protest. We do it alongside them as allies who still march and protest against police brutality, against systemic racism, against racial injustice uh, in this country that they finally had a hero to look up to that was theirs. Uh, and a, a story, a, a kingdom of Wakanda. Wakanda's not ours either. A Wakanda where it showed the brilliance of this African nation before it was colonized. The only African nation that wasn't colonized by, by racist whites and it kept itself private. You saw how it was able to excel and grow and the creation it was able to offer in the world of science and technology separate from being colonized by racist whites. Wakanda is not ours. And I wanna find a way that we can talk about it and celebrate it and celebrate Black Panther while understanding that it's not truly ours.
0: Yeah, I mean this is an interesting conversation and I, but I I I wonder and I also you know recognize the the challenge of having this conversation as as uh, two white people. Um there's a few thoughts that I had, you know, as as um, as you were reflecting on that. You know, one is um I think we've come back to this movie before in in our conversations but um uh the uh the the the, the straight to comedy central film from I think it was Maybe two thousand or two thousand one, two thousand two, something like that. Uh, the Hebrew Hammer, uh, and uh, and one of the one of the recognitions in in that film is that um, is that there also you know haven't been on film you know any in any like significant Jewish heroes in in the same way right so that you know so that our you know our our cultural touchstones are, are Yentl and uh, and Fiddler on the Roof uh, and you know and 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 someone once reflected uh, as well, uh, that, uh, uh, that, that Hollywood especially, you know, likes to depict Jews in the role of, um, of, uh, a victim, uh, but, uh, but, uh, uh, or, or, or the sort of like, you know, strong Israeli, you know, um, you know, take no, take no crap from anybody. Um, uh but uh but 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 never you know sort of in the role of of sort of like complexity and uh and and and, you know uh, deep protagonist in that way so um so i I think that there is a way in which i can like identify with uh with with what black panther uh means uh to african-american people because of of that right it'd be interesting to see like what a i mean i recognize that you know superman is in some ways a jewish superhero uh, and you know and, and and i would argue that that batman is in some ways a jewish superhero but um uh uh but like a you know a sort of um self-consciously uh, uh jewish superhero that that whose heroics are are intertwined with their um identifiable jewishness w- would be interesting uh, to to explore um but i but the other thing about it Jesse is, is, is I actually want uh, the, the notion of like, you know, who black Panther belongs to, um, is complicated, I think, because I think one of the ways, one of the reasons why black Panther is so significant, um, is because it was not just for the African-American audience, right. It wasn't just for audiences of color. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's actually like in some ways, um, you know, more significant, precisely because your white son and my white son want to be Black Panther for, for Halloween, and and it's not just the fact that um, that that, uh, you know, chil- that you know that uh, you know black children um, want to dress up like that Black Panther. Like in other words, right? Um, it, it was one of the first instances, you know, in which um, a you know a, a, a black story told by black voices embodied by um by by strong black uh, actors um was um, universally beloved
1: without
0: having to um or without having to apologize for its blackness
1: right or i would say without having to fit into the lines of what the white audience would feel comfortable you know you make a good point we have a family poem costume every year and um, uh, in preparation for Endgame, uh, Purim last year, we we were the Avengers. I of course do you was, mark all,
0: do you mark all your Purims by Marvel movies? Like does each?
1: No, no, League? no. This this past year we were actually Inside Out, great, a great Pixar film. But um, I was of course Captain America because he's my favorite Avenger because he fights Nazis. Um, but uh, my son, who is white. Wanted to be...
0: That's a little unfair. He was the only Avenger who was alive when there were, you know... uh, Well, I mean, I guess they're Nazis now, but um, he was the only Avenger alive when there was, you know, an actual, you know, Nazi movement.
1: The Avengers are still fighting Hydra today. Um, But my son, who is white, wanted to dress up uh, as Black Panther, and I reached out to a friend who who I trust and respect. I I was worried that it would be seen as blackface, that it would be seen as cultural appropriation. I wanted to be respectful uh, because you're right, I love Black Panther panther i love the movie i love chadwick boseman's portrayal of the superhero um but i want to make sure understanding as i said earlier that in some ways he's ours but he's not really ours and my, my friend who is a person of color told me listen all my life i only had white superheroes to look up to i finally have and my son finally has a black superhero to look up to but how great is it I think that, Mike, this is what you were getting at, that your white son is now looking up to a Black superhero, it worked, right? That's the beauty of it. Um, But I still acknowledge that the loss and suffering of communities of color who looked up to Chadwick Boseman and who looked up to Black Panther, the fictional character, are, are experiencing a different loss and a different pain than we are right now mourning the celebrity who we didn't even know.
0: Right. And, and I think that that's, you know, that's uh, something that's so powerful and so significant. One of the legacies of Chadwick Boseman and, and, and of Black Panther um, is, you know, the recognition that, um, that, that we should have always, you know, white people should have always had Black people in their pantheon of heroes, right? There's, um, and, and, and so what Black Panther has done is shown that, like, now it's inexcusable to um, to not uh, celebrate the black heroes in our throughout our history, um, you know I was watching uh, on Disney Plus the other day um, a, a documentary about lions. You know my, I was with my my two sons, uh, and we were scrolling through Disney Plus, and, and we have a rule that uh, during weekdays they can only watch educational shows on uh, uh, and. Um, Uh, Because on Shabbat we watch TV in our house, and uh, and so on Shabbat they're allowed to watch whatever shows they want. But during the week, they're a pop culture
1: fan. That actually sounds pretty lame, (laughs) but keep going.
0: Um, So uh, it's only allowed to watch educational shows. And and uh, we saw uh, a uh, documentary on Disney Plus um, about uh, the African lion. Uh, And uh, so we turned it on, and it turned out it was like from like the mid 1950s, and it opens with this uh, voiceover. Uh, describing Africa um, as this, you know, sort of like wild and untamed place untouched by civilization. Uh, and, and I had to pause it for a second and, and say to my sons, you know, like I recognize that this may have been what, you know, Walt Disney Studios thought in the 1950s and what a lot of people thought in the 1950s. Um, but we, but we should at this moment recognize that, that none of what they're saying is true. You know, that, uh, that, uh, that there, there has been civilization in Africa well before there were civilization in any places our ancestors came from. Uh, and there uh, and, and will probably be civilization there long after uh, um, uh, we, you know, uh, in, in you know, white dominant countries, destroy ourselves in various ways. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, this sort of like, um, you know, white, uh, uh, imperialist, supremacist, uh, uh, racist, uh, attitude that that blackness is lesser than whiteness is is I think you know uh, thankfully shattered by uh, by a movie like Black Panther and I think that that's one of the uh, one of one of the significances of it to me um, and and the the I think lasting cultural legacy of it is you know in, in um, it, it, it's similar in a way and it's it's I think um, fitting that Chadwick Boseman embody both of these roles it's similar in a way to the way um uh to to you know jackie robinson's uh place in history um you know the the uh the the sort of uh and Sergeant marshall right right um you know we we say that like you know jackie robinson broke the color barrier in baseball but that's actually not really true right it was the it was the moment that um that you know uh racist uh, um white baseball uh cl- you know club owners started to realize that um that that they needed to recognize the talent that was present in uh in uh, among African American baseball players uh and and uh and give them their rightful place um, alongside their white peers um you know and so so to me, that's I think the the significance of Black Panther two is uh, hopefully um, uh, you know a, a new era of um, uh, in Hollywood of of recognizing the, the 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 importance and the centrality of black heroes and black stories to us
1: all. Sure. Well, you know, I think uh, it's not surprising with the systemic racist society that we live in in this country, a country that was founded on systemic racism so intertwined in the in the fabric of our nation uh, that this is certainly the case you know the whole idea and purpose of this podcast is to focus on how pop culture influences our understanding of religion and how religion helps us view pop culture but i think that this is a good example that sometimes it takes pop culture to help those Who need it most, remove the blinders that are on their eyes to change their systemic racist views, their subconscious microaggressions that they don't even realize that they have. And Black Panther, I think, what was certainly revolutionary in that um, it inspired audiences of color. and it's so important. I don't want to underestimate that. And I again, I'm so uh, hesitant to have this conversation as two white men of privilege, but um, but it also had the ability to for those who really needed to open their eyes the most, um, those who who's who were guilty of silence and complacency in the systemic racist worlds uh, were inspired by this pop culture as well and reminded of, as a result, what Torah teaches us to fight for justice uh, and equity and equality.
0: Right. You, you, you know, none of us should have needed uh, Black Panther to, uh, to acknowledge that Black Lives Matter. But now that we have Black Panther, we have no excuse to not acknowledge it.
1: Well, we remember and mourn the life of Chadwick Boseman, we offer condolences to his wife, to his family. Um, We are fans who never knew him. We are fans of pop culture, fans of the movies that he has been in and the characters that he has brought to life, the historical figures that he made alive in our day and age as well. Um, But that is the power of pop culture and the power of an amazing actor that we could not know them and yet feel as if we know them so intimately and have a genuine relationship with them. So even though we did not know Chadwick Bozeman, fans truly did know him and that's what he wanted his lasting legacy to be. May his memory be a blessing.
0: Amen. Yeah, we, we, um, Will continue to be inspired and learn and grow from uh, from Chadwick Boseman, uh, and, uh, um, and and we we know that uh, that uh, his memory will endure as a blessing. And as so many have said, we pray that he uh, rests in peace and in power, um, and uh, and continues to inspire us all.
1: Amen. Until next time, I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky,
0: and I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf.
1: Be well, everyone. Take care.